Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mick Clifford and we're here in the Irish Examiner. Now, in last Saturday's Irish Examiner, a series of articles were published written by our political correspondent, Kira Phelan. They constituted an investigation into the life and times of the political family from Kerry, the Healy Rays. Now, I would say Michael and Danny Healy Ray, except the two TDs are not the only politicians in the family. Danny's son and daughter and Michael's son are all members of Kerry County Council. As one pundit has noted, the Healy Rays consist in political terms a party rather than a family. But what are they like? What are their politics? Do they all get on? What do the people of Kerry think of them? And what does their obvious success say about the state of Irish politics? And to be fair, I mean that in both a positive and a negative sense. Most observers of politics and those who earn their crust in it and are representatives and all tend to have strong opinions about the Healy Rays and those opinions can be positive or negative. But to be fair, the truth of these matters usually lie somewhere in the middle when there is polarised opinion. Anyway, we decided to invite Kira on to tell all she knows and we'll indulge in a few choice clips of the brothers in action in the doll as we go along. Kira, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mick. Kira, you, you, you mentioned um, just before we, we, we began recording, you mentioned you, you, you obviously, as a Paul Carr, you're, um, you're sometimes on international duty and I think you found yourself, I'm not sure, what, was it with Heather Humphreys or whoever it was, in China and then a few days later you found yourself sitting at the Healy Rays bar in Kilgarvan. Which was more surreal? That was it. It was Tawnish and Michal Martin that was in China, right. Mick. Oh, I tell you, I like you mentioned there, I was... Christmas week I was sitting in the pub in Kilgarvan and only a short time ago I'd been in Korea and China um, covering the Taoiseach's visit in Korea and the Taoiseach in China and I just thought to myself when I was sitting in the pub I was like this has been a few interesting weeks <laughs> working Absolutely. as a petty correspondent. Yeah yeah okay and you were down there and just just a, a, a few things Um, when we mentioned the family pub famous of course because the, the I'll deal with it in a minute, but there's a history with the Healy Rays in terms of their political pedigree. But da- Danny, I-, I found it interesting. You 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 mentioned it. Great pieces, by the way, Kira, that were that were in the paper. That's what attracted me to it. They were so well written and interesting. But you um, you mentioned early on that the two brothers and and people are often fascinated by the relationship between them. But that they meet in the family pub every Sunday evening to talk politics, but not business. And no drink is taken at this uh, at this meeting on a Sunday evening. Yeah, just to give your listeners an idea, Mick, it was they were very accommodating in terms of getting down to Kerry to speak to them, but it only was ever going to work out Christmas week, and 
because the reason being Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they have to be in the doll. And on a Monday and a Friday, they spend their time on the road all day, every day, going across the kingdom and um, that is Kerry to speak and meet as many as constituents as possible. So that's why I got down Christmas week. And when you speak to people locally, as I did in Kerry over the course of two days, something that came up and something that you'd often hear in Leinster House is whether the brothers actually really get on at one another because you would see at times in the doll that they would vote differently and a lot of people would say you know or oh, they put on an act um that they're this close bond this relationship and I wanted to get to the bottom of it whether this was actually the case or behind closed doors were they frenemies we'll say so I, I look I experienced it myself I saw it how like how many times their phones rang in the middle of interviews I lost count I was trying to keep count on a piece of paper with a pen um trying to help as many constituents as possible and when I did ask Michael about his relationship and you know that speculation he was the one that said you know the only time that we actually sit down together is on a Sunday night to watch the repeat of the week in politics which is broadcast on a Sunday um, because they're so busy, like I said, meeting constituents. And as I outlined in, in our own paper, that they have many other businesses that they need to see to as well. And, you know, both of the brothers were very clear and said, you know, we're not joined at the hip. I think Danny said to me, we don't get into the bed with one another, you know, um, but they talk politics, but they do not talk business. And that's because both men have a plant hire company. And even, you know, I spoke to Danny about, you know, he brought up how he voted differently in the doll to his brother Michael on the extension of the eviction ban, which was interesting because Danny isn't a landlord, but Michael is. And Michael voted to extend the eviction ban. And during the time when this conversation was ongoing in, in Leinster House and in the news, uh, one of the arguments being put forward was that, you know, landlords wouldn't benefit from the extension of the eviction ban. However, Danny, who is not the landlord, he uh, voted to lift it. So he was given an insight there and in how they vote differently. They were at pains to say on the fundamental issues such as abortion and assisted dying, they're very much on the same page and climate change, as is actually their, their children as well. Yeah, that vote you mentioned was interesting, all right, Kira. I mean, um, as you say, Michael the landlord voted in a manner that would be contrary to what people's perceptions of what a landlord in that instance would have voted. And yet Danny, who isn't the landlord, voted in a manner that would be contrary to what people's general perceptions would have been those who aren't landlords. So, um people can read what they want to into that. And I'm sure the two men and their honourable men will both say they simply both voted with their conscience in that respect. Anyway, as I say, they're not the only politicians. Next generation, uh, Danny's son, Johnny, and his daughter, Maura, and Michael's son, Jackie, the three of them are all councillors. And I, I, am, am I right here? They're councillors in different electoral districts. Yeah, three different constituencies across Kerry. Now, there was, when I was doing my research, you know, people were talking to me about, oh, there's political rivalry there as well in terms of popularity. 
um, they all do, do very well in the po polls locally. Um, all three moved to dismiss that you know there was any political rivalry and there couldn't really be because they're in different constituencies but whether they get on or are they close um together there is obviously an age gap you know um jackie jr who is michael healy ray's son is 28 years of age um his cousin uh, johnny healy ray who was danny's son there's 10 years in, in the difference there and just less than 10 years in difference between um michael's son Jackie Jr. and Maura, who was Danny's daughter. So there's three of them there, definitely all ambitious about a career in the doll. But I got the impression speaking to Maura Healy Ray, who's Danny's daughter, that she would probably be the one that would take a shot at the doll when her father, Danny, decides to step away. And as as Jackie Jr., who was Michael's son, said quite blatantly to me that, you know, he's ambitious and he's really happy at, at the moment on Kerry County Council. He's only been a councillor for the first time since 2019 and all three will be looking to retain their seats come in the next uh, local elections this summer. But um, it's clear as well that he's quite ambitious uh, and he does see himself in the doll in the future, but only when his father steps away. And I asked Michael Healy Ray, you know, is there a space for a third Healy Ray in the doll, given that, you know, you do have three other uh, potential candidates back at home in Kerry? And he was clear as day and said, no, we will continue to split constituency like we have done between Danny and Michael. And you'll go out to the public, the voters and say, you give me number one and then give Danny number two and vice versa. Yeah, oh, I, I, I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't rule it out, Kira. As you said, there's five seats in Kerry. Who's to know whether they could hold all five? Because there's no question in the world they are assiduous yeah. constituency workers, and uh, they are certainly. Uh, I think it's fair to say in tune with the most immediate perception of needs that constituents have. And we can come back to that idea of what exactly TDs do for constituents, but certainly in terms of what's expected or required of the TDs locally, there's absolutely no question they're uh, they're very good at that. Just a brief bit of history, I suppose, for some of our listeners, particularly the younger ones who may not be aware, the, the, the beginnings of this dynasty, so to speak. Their father, Jackie Healy Ray, of course, was uh, something of a... Uh, I don't know if it's legendary the right word, but certainly a, a very high profile and um, outstanding in, in his own way a figure in Irish politics. He had long been involved in Fianna Fáil in Kerry uh, throughout all his life, been regarded, as I understand it, as a major uh, constituency worker on behalf of the party in that. And then, I think it was the 97 election, he believed his time had come to actually stand for the doll. He'd been a long-time councillor. And the party, and they were getting very centrally controlled at the time, felt otherwise. And I think it's an interesting thing in terms of Fianna Fáil. They're no longer the poor they were, but at, at that time they were far and away the biggest party in the country. And I think they probably would have accepted later that they made a mistake. And their mistake was that perhaps they thought because of Jackie's... Uh, I suppose you could call it eccentric qualities, perhaps he wouldn't be as electable in Kerry as others thought. And they were already running John O'Donoghue, who was considered to be a, a very high profile figure, went on to be Minister for Justice and Keown Corla. And he was from South Kerry as, as, as well as Jackie. So in their wisdom, 
they decided, it would appear, even though ultimately it was done in votes, but I, I think a lot of it was direct from head office, that Jackie would not be getting on the ticket. And they thought Jackie would retreat into the undergrowth and, and, and nurse his wounds and come back for the party some other day. Jackie thought otherwise. He decided he was going to stand as independent. Against what people perceived as the odds, he actually got in. And not only that, the arithmetic of the doll was such that he was able to get a deal uh, whereby himself and uh, I think it was three other independents, I think they described themselves as the four wheels in the coalition at the time, the Fianna Fáil Progressive Democrat Coalition, he, he, so he, he had a certain amount of power to that extent. He had a certain amount of pull within the government and he was able to, to use that phrase to deliver for his constituents and at one stage there was great rivalry in South Kerry between himself and John O'Donoghue who was the senior minister as to who was responsible for bringing various uh, goodies if you want to call them or measures or, or developments to the area so that was Jackie uh, he, he was elected then again in 02 in 07 he was elected again and again at that point he found himself in a very good position in that the, the coalition that was in there at that time needed a hand from so once again he had a certain amount to pull and all this time Michael was the first one who was coming up through the council and then Jackie retired I think it was 2011 and Michael was the first to take over and then Danny came on board and uh, again <laughs> I think people probably underestimated their attraction to the voters in Kerry because they actually got two in and I'll tell you one thing people might have underestimated things then but there'd, there'd be no dislodging them from here on in I would suggest certainly in in the in the near future and as we say there's another generation waiting to take up the slack um underneath them Kira one thing that I suppose some people particularly those who might view politics um as entirely through the lens of, of uh, bettering society for people in general rather than perhaps delivering as we might call it. Some people might ask, what exactly do they stand for? Do they have any positions on that would that would put them um, in any particular position along the political spectrum? So when you ask them, you know, what do they represent? They say that they don't represent party policies. So you have to remember they're part of the rural independent group. So they are there are a number of other individuals um, in that group, you know, from across the country. Matty McGrath being one from Tipperary, Richard Dunahoo from Limerick, Carl Nolan as well from Offaly Leash. Um, so there's a few of them. And what, what Michael would say is that, you know, they're independent thinkers and that they don't represent party policies, but instead represent people. And that's like you mentioned, Mick, that's how they will continue to be voted continuously into the doll down in Kerry, because no matter what it is, Michael Healy Ray and Danny Healy Ray will do whatever it takes to get a vote from their constituent. And you do see sometimes on certain issues that they do speak out of what I would say both sides of their mouths on a lot of issues. Um, you know, one being, I suppose, immigration, particularly for Michael. You know, the independent group put down a doll motion before Christmas about placing a cap on the number of refugees that are coming into the country. Now, Michael Healy Ray um, receives 
over 500,000 euro to date as a result of a contract that he got with the state to house Ukrainians um, in one of his properties that he has in, in Kerry. And just to say over 20 in the region of 20 properties he owns uh, across Kerry. And, you know, when I put that to him, you know, is it credible for you to stand up and say, oh, we want a, a cap on refugees when you're also taking money from the government to house Ukrainians? He, in our interview, he he did get quite defensive and, he, you know, he said, are you calling me, am I supposed to be a racist? So I offer accommodation to students. I offer, you know, accommodation to people who are on HAP. And are you telling me then that I shouldn't be offering you um, accommodation to Ukrainians? So they will avoid answering the question straight down the middle in a true form as a politician. Um, but there's probably a lot of people that they're representing in their constituents who may not want to voice their opinion on the immigration uh, issue as well. Now, you'll have a lot of people in Kerry um, who are represented by other TDs who say, you know, welcome, want to welcome as many immigrants into the country as possible and everything that they do for for the country in terms of propping up our public services as well. And then, you know, you have to wonder, Mick, you know, a lot, and Danny in particular takes a lot of criticism for his comments that he makes on climate change too. But do people in Kerry really care about their views on those issues when they know that if they're in a bit of bother and anything that they can pick up the phone and ring Michael Healy Ray or Danny Healy Ray and the issue will more than likely be sorted for them within a matter of days. And I think that's what politics comes down to. And it's do people, I, they may not agree with their views, but if you need a job done, I'm telling you, Michael Healy Ray and Danny Healy Ray tend to get it done for your for their constituents. I'll just give you an idea. So I would ring Michael Healy Ray a lot um, and I did so over the course of, you know, pla planning to go down to Kerry and to do these interviews. And if he doesn't answer the phone, he will ring you back. But there must be some system in place he has in his office where his someone that's working for him will ring back. It could be an hour later. It might be the next day and say, I have a missed call on the phone from you here. Sorry, Michael couldn't take get to the phone. What can we do for you? And at that, 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 that person doesn't know that I'm a journalist looking to speak to Michael Healy Ray. When I was interviewing Danny, I sat down with him for an hour in, in the lounge of his pub um, in front of a roaring fire and his phone rang 19 times and it was people looking to help looking for help off him and he said yeah i'll be able to he and he took the phone calls um and didn't mind interrupting the interview because at the at the end of the day that's the bread and butter for him are these votes and yeah he said to numbers numerous people that he took calls for i'll be able to sort it out for you and you know i did speak to danny about you know a, a charge has often been thrown at him by some politicians in the doll that would say that he's a fool and you know he said I'm no fool and maybe because I haven't got a certain level of education people take me for granted but um, I'm no fool and I to be honest with you I remember going back a couple of months ago even before I did this interview I met him in on the Plinth and Leinster house and for your listeners that's where a lot of the politicians would come out and speak to the media and I asked him to take down my number so he'd know when I was giving him a call 
and I called out my number to him and he didn't take it down and I was standing talking to him for a few minutes and I just said to myself oh you know he's not even after taking the number down and I said take out your pen and paper write down my number put it into your phone so you have it he called back my number to me now I wouldn't be able to do that if you called out your mobile phone number to me I wouldn't be able to call it back to you in, in 15-20 minutes after talking so that just gives you an idea of the type that the two, the two politicians that you know we're dealing with and they're essentially what they say is and what Danny would have said is you know I'm just doing what my father Jackie did years ago and that's representing people and being loyal to people and helping people and they feel like what they say is it's a vocation and that's what they want to do. Yeah it's a it's a particular type of politics just a couple of things I mean you mentioned there about my, I'll just deal with it in a minute but Michael's uh, extensive property portfolio as you say he does house um, a number of people fleeing the war in Ukraine he does not house and I think you made this point in, in your article international protection people which is an interesting distinction particularly as and I think this has become more obvious um, in some parts of the country over the last six months or so that the, the, um, people unfortunately but this may be human nature can ascribe it to any number of things are not as welcoming of international protection people as the arrows of Ukrainians and you can read what you want to into that. The second thing is you mentioned about people down in Kerry um, not worrying about the great issues of the day when they have a, a TD like this on their doorstep, Kieran. I, I have to say I take serious exception to that being from Kerry myself. The notion that Kerry people are not interested in the great issues of the day is an abomination. But being more serious about it, the I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. Uh, the, the caveat I'd put in it is it's not confined to Kerry. I think you'll find that, mm -hmm. including most famously in uh, in the centre of Dublin with uh, one of the great constituency politicians of our time, Bertie Ahern. The only difference with Kerry is, as, as another politician put it very uh, eloquently once, it suffers from the curse of peripherality. Anyway, none of that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very interesting point you make there. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. No, there's another thing I want to come to, and we're just going to play a clip here. And this is a clip people may or may not have heard, but it, it, it's it's an interesting one. Um, and this is from the doll when it was sitting in the convention centre during COVID. And the clip we're playing is of uh, Labour Party TD Duncan Smith. And he's responding to contributions from uh, both Healy Rays in a debate about proposed legislation um, over, I suppose, what you might call a lockdown measure for workers. And I think Duncan Smith was, um, he took exception, I think, with how the Healy Rays were portraying individuals from the Labour Party and others and how they were portraying themselves. Have a listen anyway. But what really got me in this debate today 
was the contributions from the Healy Rays, both of them. And I'm absolutely disgusted because it hit me personally. Usually what they say is water off a duck's back to most of us, to all of us in this house. But they mentioned they had to go to the Labour Party, this Labour Party, this relevance, this relevance, that. But they said that we didn't understand working people. I said we didn't understand a carpenter coming to the house to have to fix a job. Well, I'm the son of a carpenter. I'm not the son of Fianna Fáil privilege. I'm millions and millions of euro. I remember as a kid in the 80s having to take any work going, hanging doors and fingers just to put a roof over our head and food on the table. I remember that. I spent my teenage years working on sites filling skips today. Or are they driving their Mercedes into their big plant hire shops, walking past all their machineries worth hundreds of thousands to count all their money? Or to count up all their properties? You had your chance. You had your chance. Sit down, Deputy Chair. I did not. I did not come in. I did not come in. Deputy Smith has the floor. Please let him conclude. I have the floor. So I'm not going to be lectured on understanding workers. I don't have to put on a political costume and a caricature to pretend I'm working class like some. They do, right? We, this is a pro-worker motion. If they read it, if they understood, if they took one second to remove themselves from their own regressive politics to see that this position is about a strong public health response to get people back to work and to stay in work, to get schools open and for them to stay open. That's what this is about. And that's where the opposition is at. And I don't think the government are too far away either. But we need to meet in the middle and we need to get this through. We need to keep this virus down. That's how things will get open. So the next time we have a motion or anything, I'll happily sit down or have a Zoom call and explain to them what it stands for because they never read it. They're pursuing a narrow, uh, regressive, conservative agenda all the time. It's, it lets down the people of Kerry who they profess to represent and it lets down working people. This is a pro-workers motion. Everything we put through is pro-workers. And we will work together. And we will admit when we're wrong. And we will, we will, we will move forward. Yeah, that's what, that was Duncan Smith from the Labour Party. As I say, Kira, it, it was an interesting contribution. And um, what I, <laughs> one certain thing I took from it, uh, you know, the Healy Rays and their wealth. And there's no doubt, I think, and, and Duncan Smith made this point, that they would prefer the image of being, um, I don't know, hardy sons of the soil, trying to scrape a few bob together, rather than, as he describes them, millionaires. Um, and in that vein, um, Michael has listed, I think it's 24 properties or holdings in the Register of Interest. And Danny has a, a number of interests as well, including a plant hire company that last year made over one million in profit. Um and yet they they they, they both I think they were quite forceful in, in, in suggesting to you that uh, uh they look, were not wealthy men at all. And I think a lot of people when they probably read our front page last week, it would really annoy them because you know Despite what Michael said, you know, that he said his small business was struggling and what he was alluding to there was his petrol, his service station, essentially. And there's a post office inside and I was in it and it's, um, you know, 
whatever you get in like a, a service station you'd you know your deli counter and your coffees and your sweets and there's um an off license in it as well and in the post office is situated in the shop and actually his office is out the back and you know there was a there was a decent um footfall in and out over the two days that I was there but essentially the Michael was saying that you know his business is struggling he employs 17 people there um speaking about the costs the increase in costs that every businesses are experiencing in terms of energy costs and um essentially the, the service station it had a loss of just under a hundred thousand euro in 2022 however his plant hire business um there was profits of just under seven hundred thousand euro um now he has in the region of 20 properties across Kerry and that's you know let he he like i mentioned he's rental properties for student accommodation for uh couples for and and ukrainians as well so he is you know taking in money there in in terms of the property so when you see see it laid out in black and white of his his assets at a glance it's very hard to believe what he said in terms terms of you know essentially saying he's not a millionaire and he's not you know essentially flush with all of this cash um in saying that a lot of people and the Healy Rays argued well you know there's x amount of money on paper but it's not really in their back pocket that's something that Danny repeatedly said to me um they both denied categorically that they were millionaires and they weren't falling down with money essentially um and Dan or Michael got quite irritated when I put put it to him that you know he, he basically has said when people come to speak to him about issues that they have sure aren't the issues that you would have had yourself and you know he you know the pe pe the, the pedigree that we've spoken about Jackie Healy Ray and the businesses that they had years ago you know the money to sort to, to set up these businesses that both brothers have didn't come from nowhere you know so a lot of people would say that and they both argue themselves they worked for everything um that they have now and they don't deny that but you know there has to be some support behind you somewhere um and when he spoke to me about you know constituents and constituencies coming to speak to him about issues that they have when i put it to him that you know you've never been on the bread line or you've never faced sleeping rough he did again kind of get quite agitated and he went back to a time where he said that he uh, used to sleep in a caravan while working in forestry um obviously again his his uh his salary that he earns as a TD is, you know, just under a hundred thousand euro or thereabouts. And, you know, they also get uh, significant allowances as at every as does every TD um for their travel and accommodation while they're up and down to to the doll every week. Um Danny is the same, you know, he, he like you mentioned, his his um plant hire was profitable in twenty twenty two over a million euro and he was at pains to say that like that is a success, but he he gave the credit to his two sons that run the plant hire business. It it doesn't seem that he has a major role in the day to day workings of that business. He does have the pub, like I mentioned, we were sitting in. He said it doesn't generate a profit. It's not the same as it used to be. I thought it was really interesting. There was a cash only sign hanging up behind the bar. Um and he has a few contracts as well. You know, he has his contracts with Bus Air and um, this is Danny that I'm speaking of now, uh, Kerry County Council for Irish Water and Michael's the same. He's a number of contracts as well. Um, they include a supply of diesel 
and it's, it's mentioned as well in, in the assets list that we put out about the contract he has with the state. They both also have uh, shares. So Michael Healy Ray, he has shares in the New York New York Times, um, while Danny Healy Ray has shares in Kerry Group PLC um, from milk processing and manufacturing of farm products. So it's very hard to argue with Dun Duncan Smith in terms of the point that he was making that how can you be the voice for the working class people when you know you have X amount of businesses and you're driving your your big cars um, when in reality you don't really understand what working class people are going through at, at the moment. But the Healy Rays will argue we absolutely have an understanding of it despite what we may what money may be down on paper or in our back pockets. Yeah, look, there's an element of silliness to it all, Kira. Uh, their father was a successful businessman. Uh, there's often been a scenario whereby uh, just because an individual is a successful businessman and he hands over businesses to, to, to offsprings, they can run it into the ground. They can be no good at business. They can just not have the, 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 the business instinct and, and wherewithal. That's not the case here. Both of them are obviously highly successful business people. I mean, plant hire over one million profit, 24 properties or holdings. You don't acquire that unless you're very good at business and you don't own that and not be a very wealthy person. And this kind of carry on of where we're, 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 so we're only struggling by and this business is this business is losing this and what have you it's it's very difficult to take and it's just a pity that they feel compelled to do so and i presume they do that because they want to uh project themselves as as ordinary people who can understand the struggles of people who might be on an average industrial wage or whatever but anyway that's that, that's the nature of our politics just some of the quotes that were in the piece i mean uh, i think you asked danny about michael in business and, and response michael is a landlord i hear i mean he, he heard that did he somewhere yeah. he, he didn't know anything about it. and then michael you ask him how many properties he has i'd have a good share of properties and you ask how many that's the answer i'm giving you sure it's it's public record on the register of interest and he knows that too but it's nearly as if the thought of him saying it himself how many properties he have wouldn't be good for his image so he comes out with that kind of and i have to call it raw mesh there's no other way of expressing it that they're successful businessmen and fair play to them for being successful they're quite obviously very good and i'm sure they employ a lot of people and good luck to them but portraying themselves in that kind of light is a bit um it's a bit silly. Um, now, I have another clip here, and this is an interesting one. This was an exchange between Michael Healy Ray in, uh, in the doll with Leo Varadkar in 2022, when Mr. Varadkar was tarnished. And it goes some ways to illustrating aspects of the, I suppose you might call the, the, the Healy Ray brand. Have, have a listen to this. And the one thing that I want to take one and tarnish to, when you said you got a little dig, you said, did I understand the answer that you gave to Deputy MacDonald and others? I'll say one thing to you clearly in this house. When it comes to understanding the electorate of Ireland, when it comes to understanding the people, what they want, what they require, the people can look at you and listen to you, or they can look at me and listen to me and let the people decide who they think is more yeah, in yeah. tune yeah, yeah. with what the people of Ireland require. Thank you, Deputy. Because when I hear some of the nonsense that you come out with, 
My goodness, you're no man to look down your nose at me as if I'm something that you stood yeah. up on top of. I'm elected here every bit as good as you Thank are. You, Deputy. And you know, maybe a lot better than you are. But the funny thing about it is, I wouldn't dare to look down my nose at you or anyone else because I don't do that. But maybe you do because Thank you're you, a bit Deputy, of a big shot. But like I say, off we do with the airy fairies and see how far it will get you. Thank but you, you can be sure of one thing it's not a nice thing to look her down her nose at me and say what you said to me a while ago. Cornished it. Not nice. And it's not, not nice what you said to me either, Deputy, just there, quite frankly. Um, reflect on it and think about it. Just think about what you said, okay? Um, but leave, 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 yeah, think of, no, think about what you said. Think about, think about what you said. Are you yeah. not exactly no, 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 no. Reflect on it, think about it, come back here tomorrow or the next day and take it back if you want to. Uh, Deputy, the truth is you look down on me. Uh, you think that because I'm from Dublin, because I'm middle class, because I, talk, I, I, don't, I don't talk the way you talk and I have the accent that I have, that somehow I don't understand real people. Well, you're wrong, Deputy. I'm elected just as much as you are. Everyone in this House has a mandate. We have a mandate because real people elect, them, uh, elect us, and that's, why, and, that's, and that's precisely why we stand here. And, Deputy, I know as well as you do that you had the opportunity to serve in government. I was there in 2016. Uh, when the opportunity was, for you to, was there for you to serve in government, for you to be a cabinet minister, and you turned it down. Because the truth is, you'd rather, you'd rather come in here. You would rather come in here. You'd rather come in here and make personalised digs about people in government than actually have to make hard decisions that might cost you a few votes. In, uh, that might actually cost you a few votes in Kerry. Because if you did enter government uh, as an independent, you would have to make hard decisions. And just like every independent who enters government, you would lose votes. And that's why you run a mile from government. And that's exactly what you did uh, in 2016. Thank you, Tony, for your time yeah, that, that that was interesting again, Kira. I suppose first of all, Leo Varadkar, I think it's fair to say, was perturbed by the phrase "airy fairy," and and that was on the basis that, you know, we know certainly historically enough, it's still the case that an awful derogatory term for gay men um, is the, the the phrase "fairy" has been used, and and. Um, Obviously, Leo was suggesting that there was some implication there, but I think, to be fair to Michael Healy Ray, he wasn't having an underhand dig or anything in that sense. I think he was genuinely talking in, in what would be familiar vernacular for him, and he didn't mean anything by it. But that, that, that's that's just my opinion, but to be fair to but obviously. But Varadkar did make an interesting point about this sort of thing of uh, Michael presenting himself as the... You know the what do you the, the 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 son of the soil who's looked down on by the city slickers, but that in reality, and I think I think Varadkar's onto something here, that there's elements of of Michael's persona that he looks down his nose at the likes of Varadkar simply because Varadkar comes from Dublin, he speaks with a, a neutral Dublin accent, and that therefore he's somehow not attuned to the plain people of Ireland as Michael would consider himself to be, which I think. Leo Varadkar has a point there in terms of how things are portrayed. It's astute observation. A more interesting one, though, Kira, was that um, he made the point, Leo Varadkar, about in 2016 that Michael Healy Ray had the opportunity to go into government and, um, you know, he's suggesting that he didn't do so on the basis that he would perceive that if he was in government, he may have to make some difficult decisions which could cost him votes and that that was the only thing he was interested in rather than the possibility of effecting change through wielding power 
in a government and we've seen in uh, not the last government I think it was the likes of Shane Ross and Dennis Nocton and, and Nocton is, is from a rural constituency himself were independents who went into government and those two individuals they certainly made a splash anyway they made they made some changes but I, I, I think it's fair to say that the Healy Rays don't appear to have any interest in wielding power in, in that respect yeah you're nail on the head Mick, I don't think either Danny or Michael have any interest in actually being in government. I think they're happy enough um, up in the doll, being representatives for their community and essentially wanting in order to stay in the doll as long as they can. And as both had said to me that they won't leave until uh, basically they can't f go anymore. That um, to be seen in the chamber and what they say to be a voice for those who, like you mentioned, you know, you you're right, and perhaps Leo Vrakard is is correct as well in the sense that Michael has, whether he believes it or not, but he tries to portray that you know some of the politicians in Dublin and Leo Vrakard don't have a clue, particularly Eamon Ryan don't have a clue about anyone or their lives outside of Dublin, and I think that both the Healy Rays would be happy enough to continue to say that in the Dáil and continue to just represent their communities. And be on a public forum for as long as they can without having to go into government because like you said when you go into a coalition government you're never going to get everything that you want and you ha there's give and take and perhaps that it would damage them potentially because if there was any significant change changes and made on we'll say housing or even immigration they'd, they'd be answerable then they'll have to they'd have to be held accountable and they're they're able to avoid that in opposition yeah, and I suppose to be fair to them, they wouldn't be alone in that. And some people would suggest there might even be some of the smaller parties would have a, a, a similar attitude to government that it's that they prefer to be on the outside, um, to use that phrase, signalling virtue rather than on the inside affecting change. But that is is another thing. I think it's fair to, to, to ask that question about the likes of Healy Rays because they are... Um, they are something of a force there to some extent. Now, we touched on immigration as one of the issues. And as you pointed out, Kira, there, there certainly are questions to answer in terms of their apparent, um, some apparent contradictions in that respect. One other issue, uh, the, some people would suggest, existential issue of our times is, is, is climate change. And uh, Danny in particular has a unique take on the... Uh, what is driving uh, climate change and, and, and he um, he let us in on this secret if you want to call it that in a debate in uh, 2016 very short clip here just have a listen to this I believe that God above is in charge of, of, the, of the weather and that we here can't do anything about it we indeed I will say to this go last government didn't do the things they were supposed to do, not to mind, not to, not to mind, attempting uh, to, 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 to regulate or rectify the weather. Of course, yes, one uh, government minister suggested that we should have three and a half million uh, to put aside for to improve weather forecasting, but that won't change the weather. Yeah, Kira, um, there's another lovely quote in, in, in one of the pieces you wrote where um, Danny Healy Ray uh, claimed that our, our little country and the people running it are gone mad when it comes to climate change the poor cow is to blame for everything so we have 
let me see god in opposition to the cow in terms of the the issues around carbon emissions um does michael have a similar attitude to climate change he doesn't seem to be as quite quite forceful in his opinion as Danny is. He tends to shy away from it a little bit. Um, kind of lets Danny take a stance on the the climate argument. I remember speaking to him about it. It must have been a year or two ago. It was just as COVID ended. Um, and we were out in the plinth as well, and there was something in it all related to climate. And I did notice that Michael did stand back and let Danny speak a lot about you know climate change and their views on it and with look Danny doesn't shy away from how he feels about climate change when I was interviewing him I asked him do you not believe in it at all and he just said no and I said but how can you actually sit here and say that when we've seen the floods that we've witnessed particularly in in Cork water around the country and he said right I do believe in climate change but I believe that climate change has been happening for a long long time and he said that, you know, how he feels is that any climate proposal or climate change proposal to try and stop it, he believes that the Irish people and the Irish government government are forcing it upon the country um, to trial and test out. And, you know, he, he said some of the proposals with the, to try to cut emissions. Um, and he questions, why is our little country doing this when... He's seen coal mines reopening in, in, you know, Germany and other parts of the world. And essentially he said that he has traveled to America a good bit over the years. And he pointed out to, you know, the massive SUVs that are on the roads there and, you know, what climate, what kind of proposals are China putting in place to ensure that they're reducing their emissions. And he believes that basically Ireland is at nothing, doing anything at all in terms of trying to, turn the corner or helping to turn the corner on climate change when other superpower countries are not doing you know what they what he believes that they should be doing so he essentially believes that Ireland you know and government policy we shouldn't really be looking at it at all um when you have massive countries that aren't are, are turning a blind eye to certain proposals he did say you know he he said there is there is merit and he understands that we need to cut our carbon emissions but he said you know for example uh pete Prickett's, we're um bringing pete Prickett's into the country from other european countries and he was like how does that make sense so you know he tried he tried to put as clear as day his argument forward to me and to be quite honest with you make a lot of people would probably believe uh, uh would agree with him and believe what danny says you know having said that is that the right thing to do should we not be you know progressing uh as a country and doing everything that we can to do to basically play our part and danny believes no we shouldn't yeah and as you say kira it, it, it's it's not an isolated opinion um on one level, to be fair to him, uh, he he's, he's he's straight up about his disbelief in uh, scientific evidence, um, which is uh, an honest stand, if nothing else, because others who accept the science still don't want to do anything and, and, and they talk around it, including some very successful business people. I can think of one or two. But anyway, and, and on the other hand, that argument that we're a small country, it doesn't matter what we do, others have that as well. No, I think both of them serious trouble when you put them up to the light in any moral sense. But, they, you know, they, they, they're not outliers in terms of opinion and they're certainly um, 
they're certainly entitled to view and Danny's very much entitled to his view there. Tell me so, Kira. I mean, finally, having spent time with them down there, um, how would you define them in terms of the, 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 as politicians, as people? Did you like them? To be quite honest with you, Mick, like what we've spoken about in terms of the success of their businesses, look, I, it's, I don't like when you see Michael saying, you know, oh, we're not millionaires or we don't have a lot of money and I'm struggling and I'm continuously in debt. Like, grand, if that's what you want to portray, I don't think it does him any justice because people will only see through that given on paper we see all, all his um assets. But you do have to probably admire them in some, se some sense in terms of how successful they have been. Um, They're getting continuously voted in and topping the poll for a reason. You know, many people in other constituencies across the country probably only wish that they could pick up the phone to their local TD and ask for their passport to be sorted overnight or could you help me with X, Y or Z. Um, they're two different people in terms of Danny is really laid back, like so are his kids. They're very similar, Um, you know. I met Johnny as well, uh, Danny's son in the pub and I spoke to Maura on the phone. She's a teacher um, in Cork. They're really laid back, very much like Danny. I find Danny, when you when you have a difficult conversation with him and you're putting, you know, controversial opinions to him that he has made and challenging him on them, he can answer. He's, he's very relaxed in how he answers and tries to make his point. But I find, Michael, when you do challenge him on issues, he does get quite irritated quite easily. It's forever like I shouldn't be asking him or challenge him, challenging his viewpoints, you know, and he'd be the very person that would turn around and say, why didn't you challenge a minister or a government TD on it? Um, he has, like I mentioned, a 28-year-old son, Jackie Jr., who was uh, uh, elected as a councillor for the first time. And I found it interesting when I was speaking to him, he said, you know, on polling day in 2019, he never felt pressure like it because he would have been, if he didn't uh, get elected, he would have been the first Healy Ray in over 20 years to lose an election. And the pressure, the pressure of the name itself to carry on the political dynasty. Um, he interestingly spoke, you know, which I thought was, he was quite forthcoming in the sense of, he said that he needs to learn a bit more from his father, who he believes is a little bit more empathetic in dealing with things. And sure, that comes with experience over the years. And he said that one of his own weaknesses, Jackie Jr., this is, is that he's probably a little bit too blunt. And then I thought to myself, you couldn't be any more blunt than your father. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and then I, I found Johnny and Maura, Danny's kids are quite relaxed, very, very like their father, Um, you know, kind of say it as it is as well and you know Maura in particular when I asked her about you know sometimes your father's criticized about his choice of words and she said you know maybe I wouldn't explain things the way he does but you have to credit him for he's speaking his mind and not being afraid to do so um Danny his home house is over the pub so and so was his office and when I was sitting having an interview and he came out with half slice pan uh, buttered with tea and coffee for the photographer was there while he was answering the phone to another constituent in, in his ear Um, I was in Michael's house for a short period while I was interviewing Jackie Jr Um, I interviewed Michael in Dublin and I spent time with him in, in Kerry as well and I was in his in his office which I said was attached to the, the service station 
his house is what I would categorize a lot more modern, possibly, probably than Danny's. Danny's is a real homely feel to it. Uh, the lounge and the bar itself, like I wrote in the piece, it's like I could have been back in time in the 60s when it first opened. It's a very homely feel to it. And I suppose, you know, coming away from it, I'm spent after spending the time with them, I see, like I mentioned, I see why people vote them in because of of the support that they do locally you know whether you want to believe it or not whether you actually believe that you know or they don't have another interest as to why they're a td or you know the the issue that we spoke about you know michael voted one way in in the extension of the eviction ban and danny voted the other a lot of people would say oh they do that purposely and it's it's hard to distinguish that because people will say you know they do it to protect one another. If someone had an interest in in one area, you know, but then is it the case that they're just speaking their mind? I suppose no one knows. Only only those two. It was very interesting, and I I think the future of the Healy Rays as well is is something to watch, particularly their views as well, um, on certain issues, not only immigration and climate, but you know, housing and uh, Danny's son Johnny in particular, very focused on access to healthcare and GP services and Kerry as well. So, um, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think we're seeing the end of the Healy Ray dynasty after Danny or Michael. I think we'll definitely more than likely see the family name continue in the doll for a long, long time. And and I just finally wrap up on this. This will give you an idea about how they try and get uh, votes and and speak to people on the 9th of February. They have, my understanding is, rented out a ballroom in the Glen Eagle Hotel in Kilkenny. And it's free admission. And they've put on a dance for anyone that wants to come. And all members of the Healy Ray political family will be there. And it's to celebrate 50 years in politics of the Healy Rays. And I can guarantee you it'll probably be a packed night. <laughs> I could, I'd say it definitely will, Kira. And I think actually I think your observations are, are spot on. I mean, um, whatever people may think of how they go about their business or what they consider to be the role of a TD, I don't think, for example, anybody could accuse them of being in it for the money because obviously in terms of their business interests, I, they'd probably make more money if they weren't in politics. Um, and that, that, that kind of makeup of politicians, of, of the, there's an element of it, I believe, that, that they want to, 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 to help people in one way or another. There's also a, an element of it of they need the acclaim. I don't mean them, I mean politicians in general. All those things are very natural part of the makeup. But they are um, they are very interesting. I have had brief interactions with them and, and what I know of them. There's a likeable quality as well, as you say. I mean, my, my take on it would be if I had to be stuck on a desert island with one of them, I'd prefer it to be Danny. But if I wanted someone to get me off the desert island, I'd prefer it to be Michael. But that might that's a very amateur and I hope it's not offensive in any way, uh opinion about them. But Kira, uh, very interesting and uh you know, it gives that, that human side of politics and that what you might call left of field um take on politics that seems to be bread and butter for the Healy race. Kira Feeling, thank you very much. Thanks, Mick. Great stuff, Kira. Thanks. I'd also like to thank our man on engineering duties, Jim Collin. Thank you, folks, for listening. And we'll be back with you again next week. Take it handy. Hold up. 
On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.